Luke 1.26-38 In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are a highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then, then the angel left her. I don't know about you, but um, as a kid, you remember how exciting Christmas was? I see there's a couple of kids here this morning, and you're probably pretty fired up. You got two days until you get to open those presents and see if you got what was on your Christmas list. Um, but you know, kind of thinking back to, to how hopeful that was uh, Christmas morning as a, as a young child, it's kind of funny, really. Because uh, I don't know about you, but for me, as I think about some of the gifts that I got, in fact, a lot of the gifts that I got for Christmas, they were kind of weird, you know what I mean? I don't know if it was uh, just because I was born in England and my family is British, and so if that had something to do with it, but I don't know, man. Like, you know, if you had a stocking that, that would be filled on Christmas morning, like, we always had a stocking, my brother and I, at the foot of our bed. And, uh, and so we'd get the stocking, and everything in, in our stockings was, was wrapped. So that was kind of cool, just to see what was in there. But man, just like, a lot of crazy stuff in there. Um, like, I mean, you'd have your silly putty and your yo-yo, but then there'd be other stuff like, like chapstick, and toothbrushes, and little mini boxes of cereal. And, and I'll never forget, we would have tangerines, like year after year after year. And like, not just one or two, like there'd be a bunch of tangerines and they'd all be individually wrapped. And you would just know it was a tangerine because you would just feel the, the, the weight of it, you know, and you'd squeeze it a little bit. But, but somehow it was, I don't know, it was, it was still so exciting. It was, it was so much fun. And then, you know, my, my grandparents, God rest all their souls, but they would send stuff over from England to the U.S. And um, <laughs> we would get like, like these European pajamas. They were so weird. I mean, you, they, like everything they sent was clothing and it was all completely unwearable. You know, I mean, like nothing. I mean, and it was like hand knit everything. Like sweaters and scarves. And I remember one year, like we got embroidered tea towels. Like, what does an 11 year old boy do with an embroidered tea towel? 
it was it was crazy, but they they redeemed it because um, because there was always Cadbury's English chocolate in there, and that was like you know the the, the clothes more were like the wrapping paper for the chocolate in my mind. But um, but you know it was you know what was so interesting about about Christmas. Looking back on it as a kid. Um, is that, you know, e- even when you did get that, that big thing on your Christmas list, you know, that, that toy that you were really hoping for, or that, that game or that, that piece of gear that, that you got, and it was so cool and it was so exciting, that thing that you'd hoped for, it was realized. But you know what was so interesting about that? I don't know how it was for you as a kid, but in my house, it was about the five-day mark. It was like around December the 30th that kind of the, the novelty of that thing, even the thing that you've been wanting for so long, it kind of faded, you know? You'd unwrapped all the presents and you kind of play with everything a bunch of times. And by about December 30th, I found that life had kind of returned back to normal. You know what I'm saying? It's like all that we'd hoped for just had kind of worn off somehow. It had faded a bit. And what's true for us as young kids at Christmas time, is actually so true with all of life, if you really think about it. I mean, in life, there's, there's many things we hope for, isn't there? All kinds of things we're looking forward to with great hope. Maybe for you, you're hoping for the day that you'll replace that old car with a new car. Or you're hoping for that vacation that you're going to be taking when the weather warms up. Or you're hoping for that promotion that your boss has been telling you about that's just around the corner. Or maybe there's hope of a new relationship, a a new friendship that you've started. Or maybe uh, a a new girlfriend or boyfriend or or you're newly married. And what's fascinating about that, as wonderful as all those things are, is that what ends up happening? That new car smell, it starts to fade, doesn't it? And the car is not so new anymore. That vacation that you were hoping for, it comes and then it goes, and you're back to the grind. The promotion that was, seemed so compelling and exciting, you kind of settled into it. You realize it's, it was a lot like the last thing that you were doing. And then over time, that relationship that was so new and so compelling and so exciting, it just kind of, you know, the novelty of that wears off a little bit, and you kind of settle into a routine. And what's fascinating about whether it's Christmas presents under the tree or whether it's the things we look forward to in life, that many of those things that we hope for eventually fade. And oftentimes, they actually end up disappointing us. They let us down. So here's really the question. Where do we find lasting hope? Where do we find hope that will endure? Where do we find hope that is sustainable for the course of our entire lives? I think it's interesting, the, uh, the scripture passage that we just heard this morning from Luke chapter one, we see that this young woman named Mary, we see where her, her hope lies. Her hope before she is visited by this angel is found in one thing, and that is in a newfound relationship with her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. That is where all of Mary's hope is. Now, how do we know that? Well, because here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, if you were living in the Middle East and you were a woman, 
Your only hope was a man. Because you see, back then, men, they were the sole providers. They were the sole protectors. Women had almost no rights. They were really considered like property. And so Mary, she had this great hope of now she was coming together with Joseph. He was going to be her husband. He was going to protect. He was going to provide for her. And it wasn't that she was hopeful, kind of in this giddy, romantic, like, oh, I'm just so in love with Joseph, because back then, it was all arranged marriages, okay? So, so it wouldn't have been kind of been in a romantic, hopeful way, but it just would have been in a really practical way for Mary. And so, she goes from having her hope in Joseph to having a whole new hope paradigm when God sends this angel. And I just want to reread a couple of the verses that we heard this morning to you, verses 28 through 30. Here's Mary's new hope paradigm. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, you might be thinking, man, that's pretty awesome. An angel appears, and there's this amazing greeting. You're highly favored. The Lord is with you. You would have thought Mary would have turned around and just said, hallelujah, or some great thing you hear in church, right? She would have said something amazing. And, um, and let's, let's check out her reaction. Verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly troubled. Mary was greatly troubled at the words of this angel and wondered, what kind of greeting this might be. Now, what's going on with Mary here? Well, it's pretty simple, really. When you look through the scriptures, you find that any time there is an encounter with an angel, any sort of divine encounter, there is awe and wonder and terror. And so, really, this was a very normal, natural response that Mary has. She's completely overwhelmed. It's fear and trembling. She's worried, what the heck is going on? Check out verse 30. It says that the angel said to her, angels reassuring Mary, and this is the words of the angel, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I want you to imagine for a second how incredible those words must have been for Mary to hear from that angel's mouth. You have found favor with God. I mean, we think it's awesome we found favor with our boss, don't we? I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Or when we found favor with that person who has the great season tickets to the Washington Capitals or the Redskins. Okay, maybe not the Redskins, but... um, been a tough season. But those words, to find favor with anyone of power, anyone of influence, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And here is Mary, and she hears this angel say, Mary, you have found favor with God, with God Almighty. Now, you can't even imagine how powerful those words must have been. To Mary. But what I want to share with you this morning, which is so cool, is that those words for Mary, those are the same words that are true for us today. That we have found favor with God. We 
are highly favored in the eyes of God. And I want to share with you two ways that we are highly favored, that we have found favor with God. So the first way, if you want to write this down, that we have found favor with God is that God knows us. God knows us. So when the angel is talking to Mary, after he tells Mary that she is highly favored, you know, where she's kind of trembling and shaking and not sure what the heck is going on, the next words out of the angel's mouth are these. The Lord is with you. Powerful words. The Lord is with you. We see uh, from the gospel writer Matthew, this was the tax collector who uh, became a follower of Jesus. He wrote an account of Jesus' life, and he also records uh, the Jesus' birth story. And um, he actually writes in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, that one of the names for Jesus, check this out, is the name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel literally means God with us. It is this idea of God coming down, taking on human flesh to be with us. And so the first reason that we are highly favored is because God has come to be with us. That's, after all, why we celebrate Christmas. So if you're new to church, if you are new to Christianity, maybe you're just dropping by because it's close to Christmas time and you feel like this is the right thing to do, Um, The whole reason that we celebrate Christmas is because we believe that Jesus came to this earth. It was God taking on human flesh to live this life, to experience it in all its ups and downs and highs and lows. Why? Well, one of the main reasons is so that he could relate to us. So that whatever we go through in our lives, we could know that there's a God who's not just dwelling in the heavenlies somewhere in his all-powerful reign, but has actually humbly come down to this earth and experienced the human life in all its fullness. And so that being able to relate to who God is is so powerful. So if you've been coming to Grace for any length of time, uh, you know that we do a lot of stuff around compassion and justice initiatives. And it's more than just feeding 200,000 kids, which we did just a few weeks ago. And um, it's, it's more than a lot of the different partners that we partner with locally and internationally. We, we do all kinds of different things. And, uh, and we're very grateful, as Brian said, for your help, uh, your partnership in making all that happen and allowing us to be such a generous church. But one of the things that we do is uh, quite traditional. Churches have been doing this for forever. It's uh, we have a benevolence fund at Grace, and uh, basically that's a fund that uh, we have established, and we do it every year. Um, that we're able to help people who are in need, and um, and so we'll have people who stop by the office, or people who call, um, or whoever, and they'll just have fallen on hard times. And we'll be just calling because they, they have a need. They, utilities, rent, food, you know, some of those basic needs uh, that just happen from time to time. 
And so um, one of the things that we try and do is um, we want to help everybody, but we don't just want to um, just, just write a check or, you know, just give out some gift cards or whatever. We really want to help in the way that is most beneficial to the person who is in need. And so um, what we have found to be the best solution is that we're not necessarily equipped as a church to, to, um, to be the ones who are the experts in knowing how to help people, especially get out of cycles of poverty and situations where we're having like recurring issues. And so we don't want to just be in a situation where just every month we're just, we're just, you know, doling out funds and it's the same problems and the same occurrences. So we've found that when we party, with local county and city folks who do this full time that you create a real win-win. And so often what we'll do is we'll have the conversations with folks where we'll be encouraging them, look, have you been down to the county? Have you, have you met with a caseworker down there? Because there's tremendous resources way beyond just, you know, getting this little need taken care of. There's all sorts of stuff. There's, there's counseling. There's, there's financial management stuff. There's job training. There's, um, you know, as well as like your basic, um, you know, utilities, rent, needs like that, food and stuff like that. And so whenever we make that suggestion, uh, folks always at that point in the conversation, you can see the countenance on their face. They just kind of become pretty dejected or sometimes the response will be, yeah, yeah, I, I know that, that that's not going to go well. They're not going to help me or whatever. And uh, I've found that one of the, the, the most important things that, that we do is actually we just encourage people in that moment to say, look, you, you can do this. There's a wealth of resources awaiting you, but, but you've got to push in. Now, some of you may have experienced having to actually go through something like this, and, and it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. It's kind of like, um, you know, going down to the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, like on their worst day. Like everyone's had that nightmare experience at the DMV. It, it's, it can be like that times, times 100, at times, going down to, uh, to uh, you know, a, a local uh, county place and, and trying to get help. And one of the things that, that I try and explain to folks is that, um, listen, you can do this. It's, it's going to be hard. Yes, you'll spend most of your day, uh, but you can do this. And one of the reasons I tell them that they can do it is because I tell them a little story about when I was uh, in my early 20s. And I'm, I, don't, I don't tell them all the details, but basically I was in an AmeriCorps program and a lot of my AmeriCorps friends were going and they were applying for assistance because we were getting paid like dirt. It wasn't even enough to cover rent. And so um, everyone's trying to survive and make it. And a bunch of uh, my friends like applied for food stamps and, and uh, were able to get a little bit of help while they were doing their AmeriCorps year. And so I, you know, I went through that process and um, I had too much savings to qualify for anything, but, but I, I went through it. And so when I, I'm telling people and, and I can hear just them saying, oh man, I can't do it. This, this is never going to work. I, I just tell them, look, I have been through this. I know how hard this is for you. Okay, I know it can, it can feel degrading and humiliating. And yeah, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the better part of your day. But you can make it through. I've done it. You can do it too. And I, and I got to tell you, you'd think that the coolest thing about you know, working for a church and helping people in need would be like handing them that check, right? Or giving them that gift card you know, for the grocery store or whatever. That's actually not the best part, you guys. The best part is getting a phone call from somebody a month later, who goes, Pastor Derek, I just want to thank you so much. 
I pushed through, I went through that process, I got linked in with the county, and I got access to all these services, I was able to get a job, you know, I'm back on my feet, and to hear those stories, that, that, that is so incredible. And the power in it is the relatability it's that point where, where they realize, hey, you've been through this, you did it, I can do it too. All of us know the power of that, don't we? I mean, we've all been there and we've had someone who fully knows what we've been through. They've experienced the same thing and when we talk to them, it's amazing. This, after all, is the whole reason that we celebrate Christmas. It's because God has come down to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ and has experienced this life. So whatever it is that we're going through, God knows it. God has experienced it. And I gotta tell you, it's amazing. And come on, if you think about it, we've all had those times where we've been having a really bad day or there's just been something really painful that's happened to us and we've been sharing it with somebody. And as we're sharing whatever it is we're going through, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of bearing our soul. We're, we're laying down this big burden to somebody and that person, God bless them, they're listening, you know? Then maybe they're even making pretty good eye contact with you, okay? They're tracking with you through whatever it is that you're sharing. And you know that they're hearing you in their ears, but you also, and you've had this experience, haven't you? Where you know they're hearing you, but they don't fully get what you're going through. They're kind of waiting for you to be done with the story. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a terrible feeling when we have that sense of disconnect. But I got to tell you, we have a God who knows completely when nobody else understands what it is that you're going through. When nobody else gets the depth of your pain or how difficult the struggle has been, we have a God who has humbly come to this earth and experienced all kinds of life and suffering and pain and betrayal so that we could be fully known, so that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you always have somebody who fully knows you. So I got to tell you, lean in to that relationship with God. Lean in and remember this Christmas that God knows when nobody else fully gets it. God knows the full extent of our lives. And that is favor. So the second reason why we found favor with God first is God knows us. The second is God shows us. God shows us. And God shows us two things. First, God shows us the way to really live this life. And there's a lot of different ways we can live this life. Many, is, many of us have tried all different kinds of ways to try and figure it out. And the reason that just about all of us are here today is because we have discovered, oftentimes through a painful process of elimination, that the best way to live this life is actually the Jesus way. And it's pretty counterintuitive. It involves loving people, and not just some people, but all people. It involves serving people, not some of the time, but all the time. It involves actually thinking of others as better than yourself and more important 
than yourself. It involves loving your enemies and forgiving those who hurt you. It's crazy at times, but many of you know, as I know, because I've experienced, that this is actually the way to real life. Jesus says, as recorded by one of his followers named John, in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said these powerful words. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why Jesus came. As cool as the manger story is, it's better than that. It's more than that. He came so that we would have an abundant life. And by, by living a life like Jesus lives, that is how we experience life to its very fullest. So, firstly, God shows us the way to live, to really live. And second, God shows us the full extent of his love. So we find favor with God because of how he's shown us the full extent of his love. And we don't see it by Jesus lying in a manger. We see it, the full extent of his love, by Jesus hanging on a cross. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in his letter to the church in Rome, Romans 5, verse 8. Paul writes, but, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What Paul is saying there is, while we were human, while we had made mistakes, while we were not perfect, while we were not deserving of being in this perfect relationship with a holy, perfect God, God initiated something on our behalf. He came into this world, lived a life that we couldn't live, and ultimately hung on a cross, taking on all the sins of the world, taking on all the evil, all the pain, all the suffering. He took it all on himself, swallowed it all up by his great love so that through faith in him, we could be made right in the eyes of God. This is what Christmas ultimately points to. Because you see, the greatest expression of love is always sacrifice. Always. Sacrificial love is the highest form. It's why we love so many movies that we love. If you think about it, just about all of your favorite movies involve sacrifice. In fact, many of your all-time favorites, the, the main character or one of the protagonists in the story will give up their very life as a loving sacrifice for the cause or for someone else that they love. And when we watch these movies, there's something in us that just resonates so deeply Movie makers know this. That's why all the movies are the same. But God has put this in us. He's wired it in us. There's a deeper story that all of these movies point back to, and that is ultimately what God has done for us, his loving sacrifice for us. This is ultimately what Christmas points to, and this is why we're highly favored by God. You know, there's only two movies that have ever grossed more than $2 billion in sales worldwide. And one of those movies is the movie The Titanic. Now, this is 
astounding to me, if you think about it, because they made a movie about something we already know that happened. I mean, this isn't a spoiler alert, okay? The ship sinks, okay? People die. That's the movie, all right? So somehow $2 billion worth of sales went in, people going to see a movie that they already know the event and what happened. It's crazy. And oh, by the way, this is a terrible, terrible first date movie, okay? Like, don't ever, ever think about, you know, like, running that movie or anything and, and, and watching that on a date is horrible. I, I did that, like, I, and it was, it was like in my second date with my now wife. I can't believe she stayed with me after that. I'm not a crier, you guys. I'm really not. I, 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 I'm not one of those guys. Very, very rare. But man... That movie just wrecked me. I was sitting there just full on. I, could, I don't know what was going on, man. My wife was like trying to, she like put her arm around me. It was the craziest thing, yeah. So now she can't keep her hands off me. But anyway, um, but, but um, I digress, okay? That was just a little tip. If you get nothing else from, from the sermon, don't, don't, it's not a date movie. It's not good unless, I don't know. But all those people dying is tragic. Man, it actually happened. It was, it was terrible. But here's the, here's the thing that, that made Titanic so powerful. This is why, you know, $2 billion worth of sales to go see that movie. Because you have Jack and Rose, this, this great love story. And, and Jack makes the ultimate sacrifice, right? They're there floating on this big block of ice, and they both can't get on the block of ice. So only one of them can be up out of the water. And so Jack, he hoists, her, hoists his love up there while he's down in the water. And sorry if you're spoiler alert now. You really, I'm really spoiling it, but he dies, okay? It's, it's the Titanic. Like, it's bad, okay? So don't worry. Um, but he dies. He makes the ultimate sacrifice. And so here we have now Rose, all these years later, whatever it is, 50, 60 years later, and she is still captivated by this guy and what he did for her a lifetime ago. This is what Christmas points to. More than a baby in a manger with shepherds and wise men and angels and oh, it's so great. It ultimately points to what Jesus was going to do, God's plan for us. And this is the full extent of his love. There is no greater thing that love does than being willing to lay down its life for another. So, we, my friends, we are highly, highly favored. We truly have found favor with God because God knows us. He came to this earth to to experience this life, to relate to us in every way. Listen, the next time you're going through something and you tried to share with somebody or maybe there was nobody you felt like you could share it with, listen, listen. There is someone you can share it with. You may think that, you know, prayers are all about just praying for somebody else or, you know, you gotta pray for world peace or something really noble. Prayer is so much more than just making requests to God. Prayer is a relationship with God. It is the way that we talk to the one who made us and knows us. And so 
the next time you're going through something tough, you got God right there. God knows, God hears. No, God may not fix it in an instant. God may not smite that difficult person that's sitting across your table at Christmas dinner. I hope he doesn't, okay? That'd be terrible. But ultimately, we are favored. We have found favor with God, a God who knows us and a God who shows us, who shows us the way to live this life well, to experience true peace and joy and fulfillment, to find that by giving ourselves away, by being willing to lose our lives, we actually gain them. Counterintuitive and paradoxical, but it's true. And we're favored because God shows us the full extent of his love for us. By coming to ultimately make the ultimate sacrifice for us so that we would always know that God loves us. So, in this life, we're going to experience a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenge, a lot of trouble. And just like Oftentimes what happens when we've unwrapped all those presents under the tree and we either didn't get what we were hoping for or we found that, man, that thing that was supposed to be so awesome that was going to provide me joy all through the winter just kind of faded out and let me down. In that same way, there are things that we are hoping for right now, things that we're excited about, and we should be. It's okay. It's healthy. But those things, you guys, they will fade they will disappoint. They'll eventually become old and need to be replaced. Or if they're a person, they will disappoint us, so they'll, they'll let us down. But the reason that we are highly favored, the reason that we have found favor, is because we have hope in something, specifically someone, who will never fade, who will never let us down, who will never disappoint. Even when we lose faith, even when we lose hope, God never does. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you so much that we have found favor in your eyes. God, help us this Christmas season amidst everything that we're experiencing to remember our ultimate hope, God, that you have come to know us and to show us. God, just remind us of that. Let us be conscious of that, our favor with you this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.